0: And welcome, everybody, to the Paddock Podcast. We are back. I know it's been a long time, and I apologize. It's it's the mid-season break, and we didn't get one out, and everything's happening, but it's all happening now. One man who... Oh, sorry, I'm Peter Wilco-Wugerson, and we're here to talk about uh, the Logitech G Supercar Pro Invitational. We've just had round five. We've just come back from the mid-season break because everyone's been too busy doing everything else. Everyone except for Sandman. How are you going, mate? How did you enjoy the break?
1: Hey, mate, uh, I'm good. The break was terrific. I, I know. I think I touched on it during the broadcast that everyone was really busy as far as there was plenty of racing going on and people were caught up with different broadcasts. But I actually had six weeks to myself. So it was actually been good. I missed it and it was great to be back.
0: Yeah, you could hear it in your voice, mate. You were very, very happy to be back yelling <laughs> and screaming about stuff. And what a way to start the season again. We've got lots to talk about tonight. We've got a brand-new pole sitter for the first time. Where did that come from? We've got a brand-new wild card. We've got an absolutely extremely, like, one of the closest finishes. I know we've got the closest finish we've ever had round one, but this was another really close finish between two of the greats. uh, If you go by sim racing in supercars at the moment, you've got um, one of the most bizarre restarts you're ever going to (laughs) see. But then at the end of the day, it's the same old, same old winning the race. Um, What a night of supercar racing around Spa. Spa of all places. We knew it would be close pack racing from the start. Spa is just that in droves. Did you expect that from Spa, though, in a supercar?
1: No, not at all. Like I I thought we'd have good racing, but I had that little fear in the back of my mind that we would have you know i guess i quoted it to be a little bit like um uh, the red bull show that we saw in formula 1 turns where verstappen just sort of disappeared in the distance and that was one of our little fears i guess coming into it but we knew the quality of drivers that we've got in the series we we thought they'd put on a good show but i don't think any of us ex- you know expected to see what we saw uh, at spa it was was an amazing round and like you said we've already had one of the closest finishes ever and then to to back it up with that was spa that was terrific
0: so let's let's start from the beginning. So just just for everyone's sake, this is a track I actually know about. We did the 24 hour here I think about what a month and a bit ago. So I actually done some stuff around Spa, so I I know what I'm talking about a little. Bit. <laughs> Not in a supercar, but we finished the 24 hour since we talked to you last. But let's talk about Riviera. Like chucks it on pole. Now we we obviously one of the big things with Spa is if you can get a massive advantage by drafting. Um but you guys heard he was fast going into this. Were you surprised that he put it on pole at any at, at at the end of qualifying?
1: Well, to be honest, I mean, no disrespect to him. It's probably not a name that we expected to pull out of a hat and expect to be on pole. But like you said, we we did have a little birdie whisper in our ear just before we went to air to air saying that uh, you know he was pretty quick. so, um, I guess once we'd been given that sort of intel, we we weren't too surprised. But how good was it? Like, he he took it to him and and he certainly, you know, held up his part of the bargain, you know, obviously up until the first round of pit stops, unfortunately. But, you know, yeah. definitely did the job and did a great job. So,
0: but it wasn't just the fact that he put it on pole. Like, we were talking, I think it was about six one-thousandth of a second when uh, Ethan Warren or, or Phil Cell put it on pole provisionally. And then he comes and does it by 0.2 of a second, like smashes the field. Um, which was great to see. But as you said, he followed it up with some really good racing. Uh unfortunately, mechanical error in the pits where he decided where the car decided to go back up with the jackson and lost him time. Felt like he was almost going to come back into it at the end, but I think there was damage or something or like other, but he didn't quite get back into it. But overall, you'd have to expect that he's a little bit disappointed, but really takes a lot out of that race, doesn't he?
1: Oh, absolutely, and it, he'll use that. It'll be fire in the belly, I think, for the rest of the season. You know, he knows that he can take it up to the good guys, and and so that just means that you know now that he knows he can do it. Um, you know, I think that taking that into the next round and the you know the rounds, especially into the endurance races, that'll be key for him. So I reckon you know as as much as it hurts for him to to have that result sort of taken away from him, I guess is um, it's good to know that he he can do the job, and I don't. Don't expect him to be sort of down the back. I, I reckon he'll be up the front again, you know, before the season's out.
0: Yeah, well, I think what, what a lot of people have said is that the six weeks off that people have had, as you said before, most of them have just been in the seat nonstop for six weeks, uh, like yeah. really working hard. And um, obviously we saw that with Madison down, being at the top of practice and top of everything. He's just taken out a very big series elsewhere. Like he was in form. Um, but obviously Riviera's used that time to, to great um great effort as well. And, you know, he's going to be someone we're going to have to keep an eye out for for the rest of the season. However, we've got this wildcard entry. This is what made it even more spectacular for him. <laughs> he's beaten last year's V8 Supercars champion and current leader of the series. And, and look, honestly, he's not going to lose the series this year either. But Shane Van Gisbergen turns up and he still puts it on pole. Uh, Riviera still puts it on pole. That made it even better for him but what's it like calling a race with Shane Van Gisbergen in there doing the, the things that Shane does?
1: Oh, it's cool. Like, you know, regardless of who comes along, you know, anyone that's a name or anyone that's part of the, the real V8 Supercar Series, it, it is a pleasure. Um, I've had the the pleasure, I guess, of calling races with Shane before, but, um, you know, I guess we shouldn't have been too surprised about what he's done because, you know, he's obviously a good steerer regardless of what he jumps in. You know, he's, he's, um, a regular on the racing service and obviously gets a bit of seat time so and of course he's got that natural race craft too as we saw with that uh, <laughs> with that restart so very clever driving by him uh, we weren't surprised and you know put on a good show especially him and Jared towards the closing stages of that race.
0: I believe you'd put him in a shopping trolley and he would be one of the fastest <laughs> people around 100% but how good was that livery he was running as well?
1: Yeah, very clever. A nice little throwback to the old retro scheme. But um, you know, I love stuff like that too. And and you can see the fun in it, you know, that you know, just a, a couple of little changes to that scheme. Everyone knows what it was. And um, but yeah, love it. And um, yeah, good to have him part of the series. And yeah, it was it was it was really good good fun to watch and good really good fun to call.
0: So what was it like being back? Like you, you talk about this long period and all this kind of stuff. Did you get super nervous before getting into the booth that night or was it just you're pumped with energy and ready to go?
1: Yeah, I, I don't think I get nervous. Um, I guess sometimes I feel a little bit rusty if I haven't done it, for, you know, especially coming into round one, I think, for me, because I'd spent some time out of the commentary box as such. But um, I was pumped for it because I really uh, – a lot of people probably did watch the um, the V8 um series that was was on Foxtel and everything i didn't really pay too much attention to it i'd I'd sort of listen to results and everything else but when when we came for spa it was like all right good i get to watch a bit of racing and i think i I enjoyed it more just because i get to call it so i did a little bit of racing on my own and just you know toyed around but nothing serious so it was actually really good to get back in the comics box and um and call a race but no not nervous i was yeah i was pumped for sure
0: so the other thing that came out of this race, I reckon, that was one of the big talking points is TTR's resurgence, I guess you would do it, but then their ability to sort of get in each other's way and, and cause more problems than than it was worth. But we see Ethan Warren here. We see Madison down. We see, um, I think, what Anderson was up there as well. Yeah. Uh, there was a whole heap of the crew were up there at one stage and looking really good. But unfortunately, yeah, there was, there was a few accidents there. What do you think of their resurgence?
1: Oh, look, you know, never, never be surprised about what TTR can achieve. You know, everyone that's in TTR is a good driver and I guess it's one of those nice problems to have as a sim racing team that they've got all their drivers that are pretty much all competitive. So they are going to trip over each other, you know, from time to time and nothing's intentional. And of course, I think one of the comings together that nearly took three of them out was, was that little bit of three wide action with um, Kostecki that was there. So, you know, that wasn't anything that was intentionally between TTR. That was just sort of a concertina effect of, you know, something that happened, you know, I guess a couple of hundred meters before they got into the turn. So, but I think there's a lot of teams that would like that problem. <laughs> they don't do it intentionally, but, um, yeah, they'd love to have uh, all their drivers or most of their drivers contending for a win.
0: Yeah, I think I've, I've been told before anyway where we've had locked-on racing in a, in a very minor race and there was the one-third of the field was locked on. Uh, it, it heightens the chances of you running into your own teammates, unfortunately, because there's just that many of them out there. So that is a, a an unfortunate but happy thing to have for TTR at the moment. but. Yeah, Madison absolutely. down um seemed to be back in form once again though we get to this point where there's a a strategy call to make I I think he made the right strategy call jumped in the pits as soon as he had a, a whiff of a safety car but Brody Kostecki and Jared Filsell just teamed up and um did an amazing job to get the jump and then then yeah the, the, we had the restart but what did you think of Madison's call and and how that first safety car went down
1: uh, look, nailed it. Look, I, 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 when we saw that they'd come into the pits, you know, assuming that there would be a safety car, they didn't know, obviously, at that stage, it was just the potential of a safety car. It was the right call for them. So they darted in, didn't quite turn out exactly the way they wanted. But at the end of the day, they were still in contention. And you know, regardless of still not coming out of the lead, I think it was the right thing to do. But um, they were lucky, I guess, that no one else was um, slowed down. You know, you saw Kosteki and Cell, they still were going hard to make it round the pit lane, even though when the safety car had been called, so it's not like they had to slow down. And Madison got a massive advantage out of it, but I think it was pretty smart, and I I probably would have done the same thing. So,
0: it is a weird one with Spa. Like you've got, we're talking a massive track. Like we only did 40 laps last night, but um, obviously it was it was almost an enduro length race because of how long Spa is. It's one of those things. A safety car. can mean. A huge difference on that track because you can just go past the pit lane and that's going to really hurt you or you can just be going to pit lane and you're way ahead um, it's one of those strategy calls and it was good to see madison on the right end but it's just it's amazing how these boost cars always seem to find each other on the track i think you mentioned it in the in the call as well but they just seem to work together these two so well
1: yeah, it's, and, yeah, I think I said in the call, it's like the cream rises to the top. So they find each other, they work together. And I thought it was interesting, Jared's comments too, that they were sort of planning a bit of pit strategy and then um, Brody sort of went a little bit shorter than what he, what he expected or what Jared expected. So a little bit of mind games between the two of them for track position, which I thought was good, but it was interesting. So, but yeah, they work well together and yeah, you always sort of tend to see him up the front.
0: Now we've had a chat to Jared Filsell before in the past. I've got a I recorded an interview with Brody Kostecki about two months ago, just after Monza uh, race, and we just didn't quite get an episode out last week, so you can get to hear it. But these two, I think you've seen it in real life, where these guys actually met up on the track again. I think at one of the the more recent V8s, one in Sandown or something like that, and they seem like they're almost best of buds at the moment. But you'll hear that in in the chat later about how much uh, these two feed off each other. Um, but yeah, they're definitely the talk, and they seem to be the. the the big part of this series at the moment that, that's really hard to stop. But that restart, <laughs> take me through that actual restart. I know you watched it live and you you called it and you had to go back and watch it again. But that Van Giesbergen guy, he's a freak, isn't he?
1: He nailed it. He got it perfect. That is restart 101. You know, for anyone, regardless of what you do, I said, you know, regardless if you're doing – you know whether it's remote control racing or sim racing or real world racing or go-kart racing, I don't care what you do. that that's how you do a restart. He saw what the two were doing. They probably outboxed themselves, and then Van Gisbergen happened to see the right side of the track open up. and then he just nailed it, hit the throttle and off he went. And before the boys in front could react, he had too much momentum was already on you know side by side to him. So he did it right. He did it perfect. He didn't beat him to the line, which I think was, was going to be a close call, but when we saw the replay, we knew that he absolutely nailed it. And um yeah, it was it was uh, a hats off moment to him, and, and really smart racecraft out of him. Yeah,
0: look, it could have gone horribly wrong with just like we're talking centimeters in this, and it could have been drive through pit lane or something along those lines, <laughs> lines for him, unfortunately. But um we'll talk about what happened behind that which forced another safety car as as we said safety cars breed safety cars but um obviously that field got backed up massively uh because of what happened at the front there and it just seemed to me uh, that everyone just was not prepared for that and um it is probably the worst spot to do a restart anyway because you've got that hard right hander um straight away to go down a big long straight which i think there was about what 2 or 3 two-wides going into en rouge which is never works um but w- what what was your perspective did you get to go back and have a look at that the big incident after that after the race or not
1: uh not so much that but the restart I I didn't feel that Brody did anything wrong I mean at the end of the day he gets to choose when he goes that's that's the joy of being the leader at the time so I think just everyone behind him and I think I might have been you know I was in the, the thought mindset, too, that when I figured it sort of just as he'd probably start and line the car up out of that last corner, once it got straight, I sort of assumed that he would go, go full throttle and go for it. But it's his prerogative. That's that's part of being the leader. So he gets to call when he wants to go. Everyone just assumed he was going to go, but he still had plenty of time up his sleeve to decide. And it was just behind him. Van Gisberger knew what he was doing. And um, they left the door open and off he went.
0: Yeah, no, it was definitely a moment. And then it brought out the second safety car, which brought us back to then Shane having the restart. And I, th- I felt like he was almost going to do the same thing and get it done to him. But uh, look, it was it, it built it up to this great finish. So we had the two cars out in front that were doing really good. Uh, Madison Down seemed to, to be in a really good spot for this race. And unfortunately, the two safety cars brought the whole field back together. Unfortunate for them. Fortunate for us, fortunate for you. Have you come down from this finish yet? Or like we're only 24 <laughs> hours away from since the race finished last night. We're recording this. Have you come down yet?
1: Um, I guess a little bit. I I did go back and watch probably the last half of the race, and um, yeah, it was good. And I guess that's the beauty about being involved in a series like this. You know, we've we've got great drivers. You know, everyone respects each other they give each other racing room you know obviously there is contact you know here and there but that's going to happen because everyone's having a red hot go but and i think even shane sort of mentioned it in in the comments when we were wrapping up with the the interviews at the end that he said you know it's a good series it's good to be a part of and he hopes that he can come back because you know he can appreciate the quality of drivers we've got you know you see that they are in the supercars e-series so they're no slouches. Uh, they put on a good show and, um, yeah, I think we've got something something pretty special.
0: Yeah, definitely. It is building up to something really big we are now. Technically, halfway through the season, what a half to go, including Enduros. We'll talk about uh, what's to come in a sec, but... We'll quickly run through. Now, we are recording this so fresh off the press, the website hasn't updated yet to put the results up. (laughs) So I'm literally going off a screen um, from last night's replay. So Jared Fieldsell won the race. Shane Van Gisbergen 0.15 of a second behind him, skidding sideways, giving him a nudge and everything he could do to get past him but couldn't quite get there, including the biggest dive in history, um, which at this stage do you call this a dive, or do you just call this Shane Van Gisbergen giving it his all, or like, what do you do?
1: Absolutely, Shane was having a go, and he even said too. He said he was surprised that Jared sort of left the door open, so he said, "Of course, he was going to have a go." So, I guess what's the old adage from it and centre? You know, if there's a if there's a gap and you don't go for it, you're no further a racer. So, um, yeah, everyone expected we called it that he probably would have a dive, and I didn't expect it to come from that far back. But man, he did a, an amazing job to pull it up. Jared saw that he was there, saw he was coming, gave him that little bit of extra room. And like you said, it, it was just Van Gisbergen and having a go. Yeah,
0: that's it. No, so a dive sometimes, especially when you're talking about iRacing, um, can be de- 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 derogatory. But no, this was definitely not that case. This was a very, very solid move that um, I still don't know how he pulled it up. But anyway, Ethan Warren <laughs> finished off the podium there, uh, 2.8 seconds behind the lead, Madison down in fourth. Brody, Brody Kostecki ended up fifth, Jake Burton sixth, Brady Myers, a return to form, some would say, uh, back up to seventh there. We haven't seen him up the, the point again since he won the first race of the season. Luke Rosella in eighth, uh, Blake Warboys in ninth, and Brenton Hobson rounding out the 10. Great job from Hobbo. We'll talk to him in just a moment. Um, what a shout out Luke Mitchinson, uh doing a great job there in 18th as well. Um, Stenberg in 17th was a, was another good finish as well for him, um, but yeah, few of the others there, unfortunately. Coming to grief and not being able to um, finish the way they would like. Any other surprises from you out of the results there, Sandman?
1: Um, I think the biggest one for me was the bounce back from Burton. You know, he found himself in some dramas, found himself backwards. And um, I think to bounce back and finish, what was it? Was it six? I think it was. Yeah. So, mate, that's that's impressive. And, you know, it's easy to get caught up in the moment. You know, if you get taken out in a race or, you know, have a coming together or whatever the case may be, it's easy to get flustered and just throw the race away. But um, obviously you did get lucky with some safety cars, but that was good driving. And I think – I think we said it in the call too that you know if you had a got on the radio when he was trundling down Pit Lane after that spin, you know, trying to calm him down and say, Don't worry, you're still gonna finish in the top six, he would have called you a liar. So yeah, not yeah, only that, that was, but that was impressive.
0: Round spa, 40 laps around spa, and he's only four seconds off the the win. Um from that stage is an absolutely amazing effort. So well done, Jake. On that effort. So look, that brings us to the end of what happened last night from Spa. Let's hear from Brenton Hobson about his top ten and what what he's doing this season and and, and a bit more about Hobbo in particular. We've heard his name mentioned through about every interview that we've had so far. So it'd be great to hear from the great man himself. So take it away, Hobbo. And welcome to the podcast, the number eighty-eight in the Logitech G Supercar Pro Invitational, Brenton Hobbo Hobson, the man that needs no, no introduction. How are you, mate?
2: I'm good. Thanks for having me. No problems at all.
0: It's been one of those things. Your name has been mentioned on this podcast about thirty times from all the interviewers we had. Oh, you know, I, I watched Hobo and, and he got me into iRacing racing through his through his YouTube and all this kind of stuff. So it's really good to have you finally on, so we can actually hear a bit of the story behind what happened with how you are such a big you are an influencer in the in this particularly the Australian sim racing
2: community it sounds like I probably need to apologize to a few people's bank accounts and girlfriends and wives by the sound of that. But <laughs> I have been there. Um, yeah. we, look at <laughs> just just
0: think of all the young talent that's come through and are now beating you in races. So I know what, what have I done? What have you done? So I want to I want to start there. I want to start with what got you into iRacing back in twenty fourteen, and then I want to jump to the the jump into uh, content creation for iRacing
2: yeah well, I guess i uh, I first found out about uh, sim racing just in general through YouTube videos myself actually. and I always grew up as a you know a video gamer as a kid, I used to love playing racing games uh, ever since I was a little kid. but I didn't really know anything about sim racing and I stumbled across it because I, I grew up around dirt tracks, love dirt track racing, and that's where I spent most of my time as a kid exposed to to racing in general. but there was really not many dirt racing games around so i stumbled across r factor videos actually initially which was you know content for dirt racing and that's what got my interest in it in the first place because it was really hard to find a compelling dirt racing game anywhere apart from you know one or two titles that existed on consoles so that's where i first found out about it and um that's sort of what got me into it initially um and even then i knew nothing about iracing it took me a while to even find out about iracing um the step from R factor to i racing took I don't know how long it was maybe twelve months or something but yep. um, yeah that's that's sort of where it started I guess. So when do you
0: pull the trigger and say I want other people to watch me doing this online?
2: Um, well, that was kind of a, a two a two pronged thing for me. It, it's kind of the same reason. It, it was hey, there's this really cool dirt racing stuff out here. Sim racing. On dirt tracks that no one knows about because it's such a niche little thing so yeah. for me it was well, i'll start recording videos and posting them on youtube myself in an attempt to maybe try and you know help people find this information that was really difficult to find in those days there was really hardly anything out there even if you looked for it nowadays it's sort of everywhere but back in those days it was just really hard to find but uh, the other part to it was um when I did start watching some YouTube videos and found my way into iRacing through Empty Box, as so many other people have done. They've all, people have got a story about finding iRacing through me. My story is finding it through uh, Matt Orr. So I actually really admired um, what he did as a content creator where he was just a, like, he's just a really good race driver. Um, I loved the way he went about racing. I loved his mentality towards the way that he approached racing. Um, and I, I sort of modelled myself off that initially um, and I felt like I could do it and I wanted to a similar approach and um so they're, they're sort of the two reasons behind why why i started i guess initially it was about creating some exposure for this stuff out there on youtube but um from beyond that it was once i got into i racing and sort of competitive racing it was about you know me just trying to show my skills as best i could and, and basing that off what inspired me to do it in the first place
0: Perfect. Now I want to get onto the competitive racing scene, but I've got so many questions from this. What did your stream setup look like at the start? And what were you what, what software were you using? What what cameras? Like what, were, oh what was your setup?
2: <laughs> it was it was dodgy. I uh my very <laughs> first setup is. was yeah, I, I actually uh, my background is in des- like graphic design initially. So I had a Mac, I didn't have a PC, so I ran boot camp through a Mac and it was horribly dodgy. I think uh, when I first started iRacing, I would blue screen out of probably 50. 50- to 70 percent of my races it would just crash the computer halfway through um and that was my setup i I mean initially i didn't even um try and capture video while i was trying to race on that setup if you actually look at my very first video on my youtube channel it was done with the gopro filmed off my chest um and it was just a couple of stupid looking hands with the g27 and a horribly reflective tv screen with about a 10 minute input lag on it and that was that's what it was for my very first videos but uh and eventually i sort of uh managed to get myself set up with it with a pc that was at the time was modest but fairly powerful i guess um and it was good enough that i could race and record at the same time with some of my settings turned down a little bit so um once i got to that stage that's when i started really really going into the content creation side of stuff, which was around about the exact same time that I started in the dev series in the supercar, um, which was my first real attempt at a competitive championship. Before that, I'd only run official racing, um, you know, Mazdas, and and that sort of stuff for probably, I'd say, six to 12 months of just constantly having my computer crash every time I hit the track. So um, as soon as I got set up with a PC, I, I started in the dev series. I went to SSR at the exact same time and also started my youtube channel basically all at the same time.
0: So that was going to be my question. How did how did your uh, i rating handle uh, you trying to content create?
2: Um, well <laughs> it was the, the i rating if you sort of look at my thing I guess I never really paid much attention but I imagine it's a pretty squiggly line in those early days. I don't know how many races I blue screened out of while I was leading but obviously a dnf is not good for your i rating mm-hmm. so it was probably pretty pretty flat for for that first initial six to twelve months until I did get a proper setup. But um after that, I think it was it was pretty good. But um, I mean, I was never an I-rating sort of person back then. I, I never have been, to be honest. I don't race official racing hardly ever at all. It's never been my thing. Um, so I wasn't really too concerned about that.
0: So take us back to the G twenty seven that you got your hands on in the GoPro. What else was in the rig to start off with when you started your sim
2: racing? That was it. It was a GoPro G- G27 and a TV screen on a horribly, horribly horrible uh, wooden desk that was from, I don't know, like cheapest chips or something. It was horrible. It was uh, barely stood up by itself. It was uh, it was a terrible setup. And uh, funnily enough, that setup lasted me until I'd say 20, it's hard to say now, maybe 2019. Yeah. Um, I used that for a long time. i people ask me about what wheels and things to get when they first sign up and I often say like Logitech wheels I ran one for several years I never had any problems and um, a lot of people think you need good gear to be good in the sim but I was certainly one of those guys that could prove otherwise for a long time I mean i would ran the most basic setup for several years and was able to go fairly well.
0: Yeah no definitely it's a common thing I hear from a lot of people is um, yeah cool it makes it feel better and makes it feel more immersed but at it- it's skill is skill, and that's all you really need in racing, and um, a hefty pocket as well. So, <laughs> not <laughs> wrong there, that is it. So, look, I want to get back to the first comments you made about growing up. What kind of racing games did you start playing, and what other games were you playing? Was little hobo playing as he grew up?
2: Well, my, I guess, like, uh, I'm, I'm pretty old, I guess, in the in, no, in you're 88.
0: Terms. I see, I see, he that's not <laughs> old, mate. Yeah, I, feel old, but, I, know, uh, yeah. I feel old, but
2: <laughs> I—I uh, guess my my earliest, my, probably my earliest proper racing game stuff was. Well, I mean, I played Super Nintendos and things like that when I was a kid. My proper like console gaming racing stuff that I remember would be PlayStation One things, so Colin McRae Rally, Toka Touring Cars, things like that that a lot of people know. Um, and I guess all the way throughout until I found sim racing, it was you know Gran Turismo's and those sort of things. Console gaming you know, typical console gaming racing games. My earliest memories, funnily enough, and really a direct line into sim racing, although I went away from it for so many years, was the old Microprose Grand Prix and yes. um, the NASCAR, I don't even know what year it was, NASCAR 95, yep. the old Papyrus one or whatever it was, Which that is eventually became that iRacing. Into
0: iRacing. Yeah, that's, you know, it's, yeah, it's funny how how those games influenced me in my younger days and, and yeah,
2: yeah, the, the I games it. we're playing now. I've no idea how we had a pc or anything back in those days that would even play those sort of games or why we ever ended up with those sort of games i was only very young yep. um my mum was a typist so i guess that that's where the pc came from but i mean i don't really know how that ever ended up coming to be that we had those titles i was only a very little kid in those days like five or six years old yeah. or something so um i don't what know where they sort fun. of came from and i remember playing them i vividly remember spending hours playing those games and loving them but then course we got to you know a PlayStation or something and and then that was it. So for years and years and years I sort of stepped away from hardcore sim racing and didn't come back around to it until yeah like twenty fourteen or whatever it was. Wow.
0: So one quick question before we get onto this your skills on the track. What advice would you give to anyone who wants to get into content creation in iRacing or in general, I guess?
2: Um content creation side of stuff, I think uh you have to above all else you have to be passionate. Um, it's not easy to do. I think a lot of people probably assume that it's not that difficult, um, but it takes a lot of time and effort um, in any sort of production work that you do. So although a lot of my stuff is pretty lazy as far as content creation goes, it's you know stream it or film it while I do it and then cut it together and post it. But there's a lot of pressure and stuff that comes with you know putting out content all the time. And it does sort of grind you down over a long period of time. So you have to be passionate about it because if you're not, it's just not going to work. And I think people tend to get into it for the wrong reasons sometimes as well. Some people think that it's a good way to make some money or something like that. I can confirm it is not a good way to make money, especially nope. if you weigh up your time versus uh, the amount that you make doing it. So it's, that's not the reason to do it. You have to do it for the right reasons and that's because you really enjoy doing it. I think that's probably the one thing I would suggest to people um, if they're looking at content creation is just make sure that you're doing it for the right reason. Um, but if you are you know, genuinely interested in doing it, I mean, do a, do a little bit of research and find out you know, the best method about doing it and do it. Do, don't be fake, I think, is the other thing that I would say. Like, you know, some people are just naturally maybe not that entertaining, but I don't think that you should try and be fake about what you're doing. Um, just try and be genuine because people see through it. It's pretty clear a lot of the time when you do something and you're not doing it genuinely, if that makes sense. I mean, yeah. sometimes you can create a, a, a persona or a character or something like that as a content creator, and that's a different thing, but. Um, I think that, yeah, you sort of got to be genuine about it and you actually have to be fully sort of committed and passionate about it. That's what I would say.
0: Yeah, because if you're going to create a character, I guess the best example, that's Dr. Disrespect. But that's exactly. cool. that, that's like triple the work because you have to be in that 100% of the time. Exactly. Otherwise, it just comes off poorly.
2: Exactly. It's, it's a difficult one to get right and um, it's a lot of work, especially if you're going to start doing things like that. Not to say you shouldn't do it if you think you can, but – I think that above all else, you have to be yeah, very passionate about it because it's a big commitment and it's not that easy. But um, if you love it enough, then yeah, absolutely go for it. That's it.
0: So the name Brenton Hobson turns up in just about every series I see these days, no matter what car's on the track. What are some of the series that you, you've you driven in? So I've, I've, I've seen you in the trucks, I think. I've seen you in open
2: wheelers, I think. But well, I don't know about open wheels. That's no, probably the one area that I haven't really delved into a lot.
0: Obviously, you've talked about dirt before. What are your favourite uh, cars to drive around in iRacing?
2: Um, I do get asked about the favourite car question a bit, and I don't really have a good answer for it, to be honest, and that's probably tells in when you look at what I actually drive because for me there is no one this is the thing. Like, I, I enjoy my supercar racing, obviously, but um, I mean – I love dirt racing. That's what I grew up around. So for me, that's a passion thing. And now that we've got good dirt racing in, in iRacing, it's um, it's something that I like to do when I can. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they're my favourite things to drive. I mean, like the pro trucks, when you get the chance to drive them, they're just about as much fun as anything out there. And I've been doing NASCAR this year and I did Rallycross for a while. I've done pretty much everything except for too much in the open wheel space. I mean, I'm too old for that. My reflexes can't keep up. But, <laughs> but uh it's, it's really for me, it's just about what interests me. And for me, it's usually either slow cars or low powered cars or tin tops with lots of horsepower, rear wheel drive type stuff. So um, that's where I spend most of my time. But um, I, I probably couldn't give you a this is my favorite because I think diversity is part of what keeps it interesting for me and keeps it exciting for me. But um, that's also part of me as a driver and a racer. I just enjoy all sorts of different things.
0: That's it. So is it the competitive scene in Australia in the V eights that sort of mag or drew you to that? Because obviously you're you're fairly big in the V eights so or you just you are really good at it. Is that, is that something that drew you towards that as well?
2: Um, I mean I like the I like the competition. That's definitely you know, an element to it. But you get you get that sort of anywhere that you decide to race. There's always people to race against. But um, I think that, uh, the supercar stuff is probably just because it's the popular thing, you know, for Australian motorsports fans. I I love, like Bathurst is a a bigger and more important day for me than a birthday or Christmas, you know, like most motorsport fans here would probably agree with. It's a massive event that happens every year in this house. So, um, you know, for me to be able to race supercars on the sim is, you know, it's enticing. I go through phases with it where I'm really heavily committed, like we've been doing a bit this year, a fair bit in the supercar, but then I'll go through phases where I hardly drive it for six months because I get burnt out on it. So um, I think that the competition is absolutely a a factor in why I like driving those supercars, but it's also where the majority of the community is. It's where my, my online friends and teammates and things like that race and, I don't know, there's probably more than just the competition that draws me to it, but it's a challenging car to drive as well. It's hard to be at the front of the field. Even I can't get to the very front of the field in the supercars. It's very, very difficult to be very good in those things. And that's also part of the fun too, trying to master something that in my opinion is impossible to master.
0: (laughs) That is it. Look, I can't even get close to mastering these things. So you're doing a great job. Now you talk about not being up the pointy end of the field, but you finished tenth in a field of stacked field of forty cars uh, on the we- on Wednesday night in uh, the current the current round at Spa, including some actual professional drivers. I-, I I think that is actually finishing up the top end of the field. But how do you think your race went on at Spa on Wednesday night?
2: Oh yeah, Spa was a bit of a rough one. I've had a very busy week away from the sim actually, so. I didn't get any preparation. I didn't start practicing until the practice session of the race. So for me, even for me, that's pretty unprepared. Um, So I was sort of not really expecting big things. And I had a bit of a lowly sort of a race actually because I picked up some damage, I think, on the first lap that hampered my straight line speed, which is a drama at that track. So I kind of struggled all day, um, you know, to sort of keep up with the guys around me. I was running in the mid-teens sort of most of the race. And I just got lucky really with um, all the excitement that happened at the end. I managed to pick up a few spots and, uh yeah sneak into the top 10 I I think that I'm capable of being in the top 10 you know I, I expect to be around the top 10 every week in that series if I can be but um I probably feel like I didn't actually deserve to be there based on how the race was playing out we got a bit of good luck at the end which you know sometimes it's better to be lucky than good so um you know we'll take it it's where I think I should be finishing but I probably didn't go about it the way that I'd expect to
0: no, look, you've got to get the luck anyway. It's one of those things in racing. It, it can all go against you fairly quickly. So you're doing a great job. Look, I've currently got before round five, you're sitting 12th in the championship. I'm assuming you're pretty happy with that position. And what have you got planned for the rest of the season? Are you aiming for, for a top 10 or are you happy to get that top 20 to get the guaranteed spot for next year?
2: Um, well, I think that everyone would be trying to just make sure they stay inside the top 20. I think that's really the the first and foremost key um i don't know that i'd be fully satisfied if i finished outside of the top 10 i think uh i I feel like i deserve to be in the top 10 based on where i think i'm at in the car but at the same time like if you look at the names in the field (laughs) you got to beat some pretty good people if you want to be in the top 10 but uh i think that one of my strengths you know historically is i'm a good points racer i'm not necessarily going to win any races or even podium top fives are a stretch for me but I'm fairly consistent. I can stay out of trouble and get good results, you know, week on week. Typically, I mean, you can't factor bad luck, but the, uh, I feel like, you know, I should be consistent enough that I can bank the points to be in the top 10 at the end of the season. So that's where I'll, Again, that's where I'm expecting to be. If I'm outside the top 10, I think I'll be disappointed with that. But uh, the main goal, and the same for everyone really, is just to make sure you stay inside that top 20 and lock yourself in again for next year.
0: That's it. So, look, I've already taken you for long enough. We haven't even touched on a whole heap of stuff, but we'll get you back eventually at some stage in the future. But I'm looking here at your sponsors, Aftershock PC. They built my PC. What a good group of blokes they are over there. But who else do you want to thank and who do you want to shout out?
2: Yeah, obviously... um, aftershock pc like you say and ferris shifters um and all the other sponsors that we've got you know on the car and the team at ssr as well uh smith and sons wave runner performance center dgd customs uh jk signs there's a whole there's a whole bunch of them and they all help to make the wheels turn around for the team and um you know that also should be something I mentioned too. The guys in the team, um, particularly in this series, oh we've got, God, I haven't even uh... mentioned
0: Synergy at all. So, we better get <laughs> on to them in a sec. I had a question for you about that afterwards. So,
2: yeah, you know, there's a great bunch of guys in the team where that's a heap of fun to hang around with these guys. And we're on a good roll at the minute. We've got some really good people in. And uh, Jordan, who I think you've spoken to on the podcast already, has you know, been a, a key factor in us getting ourselves to where we are as a squad. And, um, you know that's uh it's playing it's paying off now like we're, we're seeing some really good results and we're seeing a, a, ri- a rising tide lift all boats I think on the team we know the guys at the front who are really good are really good but we are sort of seeing that it, it's trickling down through to the rest of us that are you know there are thereabouts but are just constantly getting a little better and a little better and you know the team's just getting good results every week every time we hit the track so um you know shout out to all those guys they all work hard and a bunch of fun and you know that's 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 part of what you need for a good team and a good synergy (laughs) uh, amongst your teammates
0: yeah definitely look it's one of those teams in in my short-lived career in content creation and iRacing it's been one of those things to watch uh been good to watch anyway the rise of synergy over the last probably 18 to 20 months i think i talked to jordan about that too in the interview but well done mate well done the team and i hope to talk to you again fairly soon especially at the end of the season when we hear that you're in the top 10 and you've done. very well, but look, thank you so much for your time tonight, and yeah, good luck in especially the enduro season, uh, season coming up.
2: Yeah, no, thanks very much. Thanks for having me,
0: and thank you very much for that. Uh, so we've finished spa. We've had this great announcement just prior to the uh, race last night, where uh, the other Warren, Dane Warren, and Jared Philser will be teaming up for the enduros in a couple of weeks' time. Sam, man, in your humble opinion, can they be beaten? (laughs) Uh,
1: If you go by a sheet of paper, you'd probably think, well, everyone's got their work cut out for them, but we know that, uh, you know, motorsport, whether it be real or sim, um, nothing's nothing's a given. You know, there's so many things that can and can't go wrong. So they're obviously, they've put together a a pretty weapon team, Um, raised a few eyebrows, and I think a few people were like, you know, holy crap <laughs> we've got our work cut out for us now come the enduros but but there'll be people that'll thrive off that too it's like man you know what if we put together something and have such a great run and beat those two at the same time so there'll there'll be people that'll feed off that but yeah it's a great combo on paper it looks great and looks ideal but um yeah you just never know how how the race can pan out especially you're talking bathurst like you know one of the longest races we do and uh you know you can say that uh, everything's going to go great, but, you know, you never know until on the day, so.
0: That's exactly right. And i can tell you what, is that Shane Van Gisburg a new rookie? Is he taken by anyone yet?
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I haven't heard. I mean, you Although know. Although he's know...
0: now raced in the series. Does that mean he can't be a co-driver?
1: That's a good question. I'm not all over the rule books like uh, like some people. You get Whether to he's just because he's stage. not doing the entire season, I don't know. Yeah, so... <laughs> it's
0: going to be an interesting one. We'll see. We'll, we'll that wait. To the powers that be. That's it. So let's have a quick look at it. We've got round six coming up at Hockenheim, which, look, I from my experience of that, there's about two overtaking spots on the whole track, and the rest is just get in a line and don't crash. Um, that first corner... We talk about it on, what, half the race is that first corner. Oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. But that first corner at Hockenheim, how's that going to go?
1: Um, look, I think it's it, it's something that I think if a lot of teams are aware of it and are mindful of it, you can get through corners like that, no problem at all. Um, and sometimes it's the least least corners <laughs> that we least expect sometimes that cause the most drama. So I think everyone will be mindful and, and try to be cautious on that first lap. Obviously, everything never goes to plan but um yeah i think everyone will will keep that in the back of their mind and hopefully it's not too much of a disaster
0: yeah that is it so we are only two weeks away not even two weeks away from hockenheim which is uh awesome to see we're back to the two race format 26 laps per uh, race one compulsory pit stop no fuel restrictions in that one uh so the 14th of september then we go a bit different. We're going to Sandown. The Sandown 500 is on the 1st of October. We've got weekend racing for the Logitech G Supercar Pro Invitational. Are you excited about that?
1: Yeah, I am. But, I mean, just, just to have Sandown and Bathurst, I like, for me, I think that's the ultimate combo. I guess I'm I'm going old school. It was always 161 laps at Sandown and then 161 laps of Bathurst. So, I mean, I love that we've got that now in our series. And, mate, I'm super excited for it.
0: Looking at this, this this reminds me of... This just, just brings back memories, okay? So Sandown 500, Bathurst 1000, Round 9, Bell Isle, the closest thing to Gold Coast you're going to get in high racing currently, and then finish it up with Phillip Island. We've got the Aussie wrap-up to the series with one pseudo-Aussie racetrack in there. It's going to be uh, crazy. Those two two Enduros, though, both weekend races, both are going to be big spectacle and big events, so look out for a lot of content. Uh, from the whole series leading up to that and a whole heap of hype as well where we start finding out driver combinations and things like that. So that's all to come. But Sandman, I want to just overlook the whole series just for a quick moment before we go here from Brody Kostecki. Obviously, there's been some really close finishes and things like that, but in your eyes, the series so far, is there one or two moments that have really stuck out to you in particular? oh um the old question without notice
1: yeah no well i mean i could easily say round one like that that blew everyone's mind and no one expected that i mean that was just phenomenal and i've been lucky enough to call races for for quite a few years and never have i called anything or a finish like that um so that really sticks out of my mind and the bit that i like is that I guess there was a lot of unknowns coming into this series. It's a brand new series and I got the call up and I was like, you know, I wonder how this is going to go. But, mate, I've been loving it, absolutely loving it. I love what racing has been produced. I love everyone that's part of it. And I think I think we've got something really good. But when people talk about this series and ask me, you know, what I think of it, I just I automatically flash back to round one. And it wasn't because it was the first race that I did. It was just that, that incredible finish. You, could, you know, Hollywood couldn't script stuff like that
0: no exactly um the last question i'll give you without notice i'm just going to um question you about your partner in crime in the booth what's it been like working with jake
1: um really good um you know i hadn't had much to do with jake before this series um but he he and i have actually joled really well together um i guess you never know when you sort of work with a new colleague in the commentary box, you don't know what it's sort of going to go out. Like we, we did a couple of little tests leading up to round one and we thought, Oh yeah, that, that feels pretty good. But it's, it seems really natural and it feels like, I guess, I don't know, I guess coming from my point of view, I don't feel like it's scripted in any way. I guess uh, I don't, everyone that's sort of watching from the outside in, they've probably got a better judgment, but I think we gel pretty together uh, pretty good together. And um yeah, the way it's working and coming across, I think it's pretty good. So, it's been a nice surprise, and um, yeah, it's going to be a cruisy situation, I think, between he and I. Even for the longer races, you know, I think one of the hardest things as a commentator when you do races are like you know the long endurance races or twenty four hour calls or stuff like that. So, when you've got a sort of partner in crime in the commentary box that you gel well together with, that uh, makes those longer races a lot lot easier.
0: Definitely does. It'll be interested to see how we go with the enduros. Like, uh, obviously, the, the the series has come to lo- come together really well. I'm sure uh, that the powers that be behind are behind of already working on some really cool things for that. So let's see what happens there. But before we go to wrap up the championship as a whole, I don't have a championship table right now, but we can talk about it in a sec anyway. From what we have got, let's hear from Brody Kostecki. Like I said, this was a chat just after Monza, which was uh, the race before this one. So this is just basically about Brody Kostecki himself and what he thinks of the series and how he's going so far, and just a little bit of background on Brody. So take it away, Brody. And welcome to the podcast, Brody Kostecki. How are you tonight?
3: Yeah, very good. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the show.
0: No, thank you for joining us. Now we obviously had to move some things around, but we've got you on because you won round three of the Logitech G Supercar Pro Invitational at the Red Bull Ring. Now we know you're a fast person. We know that Jared's a fast person. Can you take me through those last few laps where you and him seemed to be going back and forth, uh, deciding who was going to win that race?
3: Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was a really good race. We sort of um, got thrown a bit off strategy at the start, um, but yeah, we sort of opted to put Phil in hand um, at the start, which put us pretty deep in the pack, which was you know a bit worrying at the start of the race. But um, yeah, we seemed to make it through all that all cleanly and um gladly there was there was only one more safety car so we still had a bit of an advantage um going to last uh you know green you know stop on the green which was you know that put us you know the top three cars were all ssr so that was uh pretty cool and um i seem to be pretty quick around uh red bull ring seems to suit my sort of driving style on the sim with um you know really big braking zones. so um sort of just let uh jared turn me around and um Yeah, had to save a bit of fuel and he just sort of wore his tyres out a bit and I was just able just to, you know, put it on on him at the end and just use my off tracks to sort of stay ahead of him.
0: Excellent. Now, there's so much I want to unpack from just that statement alone. The the one thing I I wanted to talk about uh, in particular was that that whole strategy play, that was the fascinating thing that came out of Red Bull Ring. At what stage we've got the guys from Synergy, obviously all sitting in the one Discord. Who makes those calls um, on Let's Pit Now and, and you know, what kind of strategy plays out?
3: Yeah, Jared and I are usually um, just sort of stay in our own channel and, uh, yeah, you can have, you know, too many people sort of, um, you know, everyone's having their own race, but, um, yeah, Jared and I sort of work, work you know, pretty well together and we don't talk much uh, while, while we're racing unless it's something important, so... Um, uh, you know, we we'll, are we we'll are both talking to each other throughout the race and, uh, you know, we had Nathan Kaiser with us as well, who, um, you know, spots for both Jared and myself and, um, yeah, straight away when that first sort of safety car come, we, um, decided to come on down. I actually missed the, um, the pit road to begin with. I was trying to read the rules and make sure you, um, that there was no, that there was no, um, you know, CPS window yeah. and, um, yeah, just trying to make sure and I was able to read the rule, uh, right before Jared um so jared could make it in so he he got to make it in and um i stopped the next lap and um yeah it was sort of you know pretty straightforward and easy you know i'm i'm sort of pretty fortunate that i get to do this stuff a lot throughout real life and you learn a lot being around you know some really smart people and um jared's learned a lot as well um sort of working um you know with me as well so it's yeah it's sort of you know pretty straightforward for us now and um yeah we've we've made some really good calls last you know not just that round but the last few rounds
0: yeah, definitely. Look, one thing that's really stood out in this uh, series so far is uh, the way you and Jared seem to really gel on in the sim. Um, how long have you guys been racing together on the sim?
3: Oh uh, gosh, it would have to step back to almost twenty fifteen at one point, twenty sixteen. So it's been a you know a long time now that we've sort of known each other and um, you know sort of race you know with each other um yeah and you know more so the last three years um you know with the you know viet subikai eight series um you know that and he you know he's um he races in the pro series for Erebus with that and um you know he's running the um you know the boost mobile Erebus livery you know this year and you know the logitech series so um yeah it's it's um yeah it's been a few years but yeah we we definitely work pretty well together that's for sure
0: i want to get into before we go back to a bit of the racing, you and the sim. So, two thousand and nine here. I've got on the website was when you first started in the sim. How did that come about?
3: Um, I always sort of raced, you know, on Xbox and PlayStation. Um, you know the you know the first sort of, sort of few Toka games, and yep. you know the you know of course all of our supercar games, and um, yeah, sort of um, got a got a laptop for school and worked out how to download r factor and once i discovered what that was it was just pretty much all uh downhill from there for the zoom racing stuff you know got addicted pretty much straight away i'm a you know pretty competitive person and um yeah racing's in my blood so um yeah the you know the more i could do it you know the you know the better it was for me so um you know in a way it does prepare you a lot for real life and you know it's um you know it's still a a game in a sense of a way but it's sort of um yeah you experience um scenarios that you'll come across in real life and you know the you know the more experience that you have the um you know the better of a choice or a decision that you'll make so pretty straightforward for me
0: did you so you got into r factor what what were you using at that stage were you did you get a cheap set of pedals and wheels or were you still using controller or what were you doing at that stage
3: yeah, I had a um, just a Logitech G25. Um, well, actually, I had a Driving Force GT was my first wheel. Then I had a G25 from then on there, and I had that for a few years. And um, yeah, sort of only got some decent equipment, um, you know, probably say three or four years ago. And um, yeah, definitely makes a difference now. You know, there was there was a lot of this sort of, you know, fancy stuff back, you know, back when I started, it was, you know, pretty much if you had a Logitech wheel, you were, you know, you were pretty stoked about it, so, um, yeah, yeah. There's been a lot of new stuff that's come out and whatnot, but yeah, that's um, yeah, that's what I started with.
0: So, how serious is this rig at the moment? So, I'm looking at HG Sprints and and the Sim Magic, but how how far down the rabbit hole have you gone with your rig?
3: Um, you know, not not uh too far. Sort of, um, you know, I've just got a Sim Magic wheel, and um, yeah, was pretty pretty fortunate to be hooked up from the guys from SimRigs.com. Um, you know, Phil there sort of uh hooked me up with some pretty good equipment for you know last year's uh Super series, and um, yeah, he uh looked after all that for me. And um, yeah, some of the guys have some pretty crazy equipment, but yeah, I've got you know four screens. Um, you know, when you do long endurance races, you're gonna have you know all the timing and um, you know, whatnot. Set up so you can see sort of what's going on and you know it also helps when you're you know doing the logitech series as well where you know you know how much fuel everyone has and whatnot so yes yeah it's definitely serious but um yes it it'll be um you know not much different to the you know all the front runners
0: two things firstly how deep down the rabbit hole do you go with data obviously you you do it for real life but in the sim how how much effort do you put into the data side of sim racing
3: yeah, I've been sort of pretty lucky lately where I've um sort of been, you know, sort of quick enough where I don't have to spend, um you know, hours and hours, you know, preparing for a round. So I can sort of just hop on and, you know, within an hour and a half, two hours, I can sort of be, you know, pretty close to Jared and it really sort of helps having him there as well. You know, he's, you know, he's, you know, leading the championship at the moment and he's always been really, you know, sort of, you know, quick on the sim. He's, you know, won and polled, you know, world championship events on, racing so it's really good to have him there and I do get to use his data and see you know the differences in driving and um, I just take the same approach that I have in real life to um, you know to what I do in the, on the um, service
0: uh, so with Jared as well we're back on to him again um, how important is that been for you in the last couple of years, especially with the prominence of um, sim racing that's come up with the E-Series and obviously now the Supercar Pro Invitational, do you lean on him a fair bit? Obviously, I assume you lean on each other a fair bit.
3: Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, we, yeah, we do a lot of stuff outside of the, um, you know, the Supercar stuff as well. And, um, you know, he jumps into anything and he's, you know, fast straight away. You know, he can, you know, be, be in the top, you know, sort of 10, 15 in the world if he wants to pretty easily. Um, you know, he's, you know, I, I, um, remember a few years ago, he polled and, uh, won a sprint race with, you know, one arm was, was broken and, uh, (laughs) in a car. So yeah, he's pretty sort of crazy when he's, um, you know, at his own, but, um, yeah, we sort of do it a lot more for fun these days. And, um, yeah, that's, you know, sort of the main thing is just to have a bit of fun while doing it, you know, have a laugh and, um, you know, just get some enjoyment out of it.
0: It does come across that way. Like you guys seem to be having a bit of fun and, and doing a uh, a good job there. What's it been like, right, working with Sim uh, Synergy Sim Racing in the in the uh, more closer past?
3: Yeah, I've had the uh, opportunity to work with all them guys there. I know, um, you know, some of the guys in real life on there as well, um, you know, like Birkin whatnot. But um, yeah, Jay Russ runs a pretty good program, and um, yeah, yeah, like I said, it's just great for me that I can sort of jump on and. Yeah, sort of run a few laps with all the guys there And, you know, sort of pretty pretty straightforward Everyone's pretty grown up over there And we just like to have a bit of fun And, yeah, it was, you know, great at Red Bull Ring was, you know, great showing for us as well To, you know, lock out the top three spots With Jay Ross in third So it was a great effort by him And, you know, definitely well-deserving You know, considering how much effort he puts into it all You know, just not on the team side But, you know, behind the scenes as well
0: definitely so if you're in the sim for a bit of fun you, you obviously drive v you've mentioned you do a lot of things what's the first thing you go to if you just want to relax and unwind
3: i would definitely say them as the Mazda cups um yep. on our racing they're, they're they're um you know a lot of fun for me and um you know the races are on the hour and it's you know short tracks and um sort of you know pretty chaotic as well so um your crash avoidance skills get you know tested every race so <laughs> Yeah, I liked it at them quite a lot with Jared, and um, I think that's sort of how we've made it through some of the opening laps um, in the um, Supercar Series a few times uh, this year. So, no, that's um, probably, you know, the most enjoyment, uh, you know, short bit of fun um, for me.
0: Can I ask a question about a Brody specific question with the sim racing? Do you feel like you got a target on your back when you hop into some races, like people have something to prove against you, or you do you turn off chat so you don't hear anyone? What, what do you do in, a, in a just a general race?
3: Oh, I've definitely had, um, you know, some races where, you know, people think I might be a bit funny, but honestly, I'd, you know, it doesn't really sort of phase me. I've had a, I've had ball people sort of, um, you know, ask me questions during a practice, or, you know, I've been, you know, trying to help the community out as much as possible. And um, so that's been, you know, really good. You do get the odd character here or there, but honestly, I, I, I find it funny, um, you know, when it does happen. But it happens, you know, very rarely. So uh, pretty fortunate on that side. And, um, you, know, the, you know, the you know the racing community and, you know, definitely on the Australian side is pretty respectful.
0: Excellent. So outside of Synergy Sim Racing, is there a specific driver you guys are keeping an eye on or you personally keep an eye on at all?
3: Oh, there's definitely a lot. You know, in the you know in the Logitech series, you know, really there's you know 10 to twelve guys that can win on their day. So yeah, we've we've been really good this year, and you know the team's done a good job. You know, all the setups have been you know really competitive going into each round. But you know we saw in the first round that there was you know four or five drivers trying to compete for the win. You know, in the last lap. So you know it's been it's it's been a really competitive year, and you know the. The Warren brothers are always really quick, um, although Dane's not racing this year, but Ethan's always quick and, um, you know, Mads as well and um, all those guys from TTR are, you know, always, you know, guys that we keep an eye on, um, you know, they're they're always up the front.
0: Yeah, so let's get back on to racing itself. Monza just happened uh, just a couple of days ago. Take us through Monza itself, uh, a second place, which is obviously a great result. Uh, but what happened in that race for you?
3: Yeah, I actually had a pretty shocking, uh, qualifying for myself. Um, I should have been way further back, but luckily the setup was, um, way better than what I was. So Jared was able to put it on pole and, um, I believe I qualified 11th and, um, yeah, there was, uh, no safety cars, I believe, which is pretty sort of crazy for Monza. Um, you know, there's always a pretty chaotic turn one, turn two there. And, um, you know, to do that whole race without a safety car was, you know, pretty cool to see. And, um, you know, Jared was able to win by I think by, you know, thirteen or fourteen seconds and, you know, break the draft, which is, you know, pretty remarkable. And he had a lot of pace over me um in the race runs leading up to the event. Um so, you know, he was he was definitely the one to beat going into the round and um yeah, was just able to save a bit of fuel in the first stint. And um yeah, sort of luckily the setup was good enough to, you know, come out in the last stint and um I had to underfuel by quite a lot. But uh yeah, we had really good straight line speed and, um, it was quite, quite easy to say fuel. The last didn't, and, um, you know, was able to come away with P2, which was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well done. It's always good to just get around Monza, let alone to get a P2 starting 11th is very well done. Now you have obviously got some real life commitments. So we see you 19th in the championship, missing a fair few or sorry. What one round and you had a, at a, um, the first round wasn't second round you you pitted early no first round you pitted earlier then you sort of didn't quite make it but you've had two stellar rounds uh since what's the plan for you going forward with six races to go is it just trying to win individual races getting jared the championship or all of the above i assume
3: yeah it's actually been really good lately um you know the last you know two rounds that we've done um you know jared and i have been you know at the front and um you know probably less at Monza where he, um, you know, absolutely hosed everyone, including myself, but, um, yeah, we've been sort of really quick the last, you know, few rounds. And, um, so yeah, it'd be good if I can, you know, battle with him, um, for a couple more wins, but, um, yeah, he's, you know, real quick, you know, it's, uh, you know, very, it's, you know, not, not all the time that I have a leg up on him and, you know, Red Bull ring was, you know, one of those times. So, um, you know, going to all the tracks, you know, moving forward, he's, you know, um, you know pretty stellar out so it'd be pretty hard to beat him but yeah the um yeah the gloves are definitely off for uh, sure so he um he uh won't get him easy if he's in front of me
0: <laughs> that's good to hear very good to hear well, i've got one last question for you before we start wrapping this thing up what attracted you to the logitech g supercar pro invitation in the first place
3: oh look it's um you know it's the most professional um you know run series uh you know let alone in australia but you know it's probably one of the um you know the top tier series in the world um currently you know for the sim racing side it's you know very professional very easy to you know jump into and um yeah it's sort of hassle free drama free and um yeah it's just a uh, you know a great thing to be a part of and you know the broadcast is fantastic you know all the commentators do a great job you know all the stewards are you know very consistent with their calls and you know it's um it's the closest thing you can get to you know racing you know a real life car so that's you know what sort of drew me to it and um yeah it's definitely been a leg up to you know you know what i've ex- I experienced in the past so um yeah that's what attracted me the most and um you know just the competitiveness of you know the whole field as well it's just absolutely um
0: incredible Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time, Brody. I want to let you shout out your sponsors, your many sponsors, and anyone you'd like to thank for, yeah, just being you.
3: Yeah, I'd just like to um, thank everyone that's involved in the uh, Logitech Pro Series. Um, You know, it's a a great thing to be a part of, and it's a lot of fun for me to, you know, jump in and race and, you know, race some of the best guys in Australia and the world. And, um, you know, all the guys at Synergy Sim Racing, um, Jay Ross and everyone that puts in time, uh, Jared as well, he's, you know, a great bloke to lean on and, um, you know, all, all my sponsors as, as well that sort of, you know, have, um, you know, come over to the sim side, you know, Boost Mobile, Erebus uh, and um, whatnot. It's, you know, it's a it's a pleasure to work with, you know, such great people.
0: Can I ask one last question on that? How easy is it to get sponsors to come across to something like a sim a, a niche series or a sim event these days?
3: Yeah, it's sort of... Um, COVID really did wonders, um, you know, for the sim racing side, it definitely got a pretty big boost, um, you know, uh, you know, through the COVID phase, but, you know, it's always hard to bring someone, you know, to something that's not quite real, but, you know, there is an audience that's there and, um, you know, there's a lot of competitors as well that, you know, compete, you know, um, you know, in the series, but also, um, you know, outside the series as well. So, um, to have a boost car running around, um, you know, in servers and whatnot against other people is, you know, pretty cool. And it's also, you know, the same car that I get to race as well in real life. So, um, yeah, it's yeah, it's definitely hard, but it's, you know, um, I, uh, I'm very fortunate that I have some, you know, great people that support me and, um, you know, they back me 110%.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time, Brody, and I'm sure we'll talk to you again sometime in the future.
3: Cheers. Thanks for having me
0: and thank you so much for your time Brody. it was really good having a chat with you and i'm glad i finally get to put this episode out there for you all to listen to so i hope you enjoy it i've got some more good interviews coming up in the next couple of weeks i've touched base with a few of the drivers and they are keen to get on so as soon as times align we will get them in and let you hear from them but Sam, let's quickly wrap it up we've got jared Filsell, he was leading the championship he's still leading the championship obviously Ethan Warren was second. He still will be second after night uh, last night. Jake Burton, third, still going to be sitting third after night. No real changes from the top there, f- from what I can look at on the current standings. I talked about it before. Ethan Warren is just being consistent. This was probably one of his best results for the series so far, yet he's sitting second in the championship. How. Good and close is this championship going to end up at the end, or is Jared Philsall just too good for them right now?
1: Now, look, I think you know we touched on it a little bit through the broadcast that Jared can be beaten. Um, everything seems to to go well for him, and you know that's that's not a fluke. So he knows what he's doing. He's always puts himself in the right position towards the end of the race. I mean, I guess it's always a bit of an unknown. I guess it's sort of in the real terms of supercars, you never really start thinking championship till after the enduro so i think once we get Sandown and bathurst out of the way it'll if if he's still got a decent commanding lead then you know obviously it's going to be tricky for everyone to catch him but um yeah it's so easy for races to be won and lost at those long endurance races so you know at the moment it looks like uh everything's pretty clear cut but i think um no one should rest easy until after the enduros
0: yeah considering we are exactly halfway through the series there is everything to go play for still in this series so far if you want to be part of the series what got announced since we talked last was the uh the qualifying series which will be happening for 2023 uh so starting the 1st of feb 2023 there'll be uh some hosted qualifying series a, a hosted qualifying series if you are interested um there will be Uh, this will be your way to get into uh the series for next year remember the top 20 from this season automatically get qualified for next season uh but however we'll start the series at phillip island uh the 1st of february there'll be 44 laps australia's uh most permanent track and home of the moto gp sorry i'm reading straight from the website a week later, on the 8th, we'll head to the Brickyard Indianapolis Road Course, which will be very interesting to see these supercars going around there at high speeds. Uh, and then the home, uh, home of speed, Sandown, gets a 54-lap race uh, of tight racing around with Round 3 on the 15th of February. Uh, then finally, Bathurst will finish off the series. Uh, 28 laps will decide the lucky ones who will complete in the 2023 Logitech G Pro Invitational Series. Are you having a crack at this, Sandman?
1: (laughs) No. (laughs) I don't think I've got um, enough skill in my right thumb to probably take it up to these guys up the front. Um, Unfortunately, I'm probably better off staying in the commentary (laughs) box. As much as I'd love it, I don't think I'd be anywhere the quality of these guys. So I'll leave it to the fast guys, I think.
0: Can we talk uh the powers of V into getting a celebrity race going at some
1: stage? <laughs> I'd do a celebrity race. That'd be a bit of fun. But um, yeah, I I I think I said, you know, during the broadcast, as much as I'd love to be on the grid, there's no way I'd be up in the top 40. I reckon it'd be, you know, maybe top 60 or top 80 i might be sort of down the back there but um as much as i love my racing i'm nowhere near as good as those I guys to, but i want um, to
0: see you in the safety car one week just um just I jumping do in that. doing commentary I from do the that. safety car that'd be yeah. great
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway thank you so much for your time tonight sandman um any predictions for hockenheim
1: oh mate <laughs> Come on. No, It's a bit like last night. Write them all on a bit of paper, throw them up in the air, catch a piece of paper, call that name out, and you've probably got half a chance.
0: Okay, so I'll I'll make it a bit easier for you because there's a there's a lot less numbers you can pick from here. The winning margin. Oh it's got to be under a tenth, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> we hope so. Uh we could we always hope that, especially as a commentator. But um, I don't know. Um Two seconds.
0: Two seconds. <laughs> good to see. Like that. that's, that's, a bit, that's a good crack. I like it. Anyway, thank you so much for your time, mate. We will talk to you again in only probably a couple of weeks' time. I've got the whole schedule here, um, but uh, we will get an episode out to you between um, Hockenheim and Sandown, and that's when you'll get all the info on what's happening with the Enduro Series, so keep an eye on that. If you haven't already, go check out um, the website, Uh, for the Pro Invitational uh, series as well, Uh, but also if you can rate or review the podcast or or give it a thumbs up or whatever you do, whatever your podcast app of choice, uh, because it will help us get out there to more and more people, uh, help us jump up through the AI algorithms and people might find us a little bit more easily as well. If you do like the Brody Gusecki interview, let us know as well. Um, But until then, we will be back in a couple of weeks' time and I hope you're enjoying your racing. See you later.